0: You are listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Well, have you been enjoying this series that we're calling Harvest? I appreciate all three of y'all excited about this. Have you been enjoying this series that we're calling Harvest? Come on, church. You with me this morning? Come on. I know it's 9 o'clock. Y'all are, the, y'all are the early service. You are my favorite service of the day. I promise I don't tell the 11 o'clock service that the same day I tell y'all that. Uh, grab your Bibles and go to Luke chapter 10. That's where we're going to set up shop today. I hope you're excited to be in the house of God today. It's not just another Sunday. Amen. Amen. I know, like, we, most of us, or a lot of you guys, especially our 9 o'clock crowd, like, you are, you are so faithful. You're here every Sunday, and you, you make church a priority, and you come in here. And I know that things like church can become routine, but, like, I hope that, like, you're just not on autopilot this morning, okay? Amen? Like, you're here, and God wants to do something in your life, and so let's not go through the motions. Let's be ready to hear from him, okay? Let's let him speak to our hearts, let him do something in our lives. Because we're in a series called The Harvest. And we have been studying these scriptures uh, about where Jesus makes that statement, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And we've been challenged to work the harvest that we've been given. And so today we're going to dive into that. We're going to dive into Luke chapter 10. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Luke chapter 10, we had planned to preach from this passage well in advance, like you hear me talk about all the time, but I had planned to preach the last half of this chapter, which is the story, it's a parable that Jesus tells about this guy named the Good Samaritan. And if you never heard it, there's basically this story where Jesus, that somebody comes to Jesus and he asks him about the commandments and the law and all this kind of thing, and, and he says, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then, so the guy trying to kind of be cute and trying, you know, says, well, who is my neighbor? Like Like, who? So I, If I'm supposed to love my neighbor as I love myself, I need to understand who my neighbor really is. And what he's trying to do is, is trying to limit his neighborhood. He's trying to confine his neighborhood. He wants his neighborhood to be the people that are maybe like, like if my neighborhood is the people that I like, the people that I love, the people that are nice to me, the people that look like me, the people that believe like me, like, I want that to be my neighbor. So I caught that, what I was doing there. <laughs> and Jesus tells him this parable, and he says, um, basically, here's what happened. There's this guy who, who is hurt, and a priest walks by, and a Levite walks by, and, like, the people that should help him ignore him. But then there's a Samaritan who would have been of a different race, different nationality, and most likely a different religion. And he's the one that actually goes and helps him. And not only does he help him, he picks him up, he tends his wounds, he takes him to a place, and even tells the guy, like, if he needs anything, you do it, and I'll cover the expense. And Jesus looks at him and says, which one was the better neighbor? And so I had planned to kind of fixate on that passage. But as I, just to kind of let you in on, on my process... There's, when, we, when I step into the next week to kind of go back and revisit what God had put on my heart and start preparing it and honing it in to what God wants to teach us on Sunday mornings, I kind of read the surrounding scriptures to kind of remind myself of the context of all this kind of stuff is happening. And so I read through Luke chapter, chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10 and Luke chapter 11, and I kind of read through those several times. And I got fixated on the first half of Luke chapter 10, and like God wouldn't let me let it go. So if it's okay with y'all, we're just going to let the Holy Spirit take over this morning, and I'm going to preach what he told me to preach, all right? All right I'm going to jump in there and just dive in. And, and, and I'm just going to hope that it makes sense, because this made sense to me all week. <laughs> but there's some things that happened in the first half of Luke chapter 10 that I just couldn't shake. And so we're going to dive in. Luke chapter 10, and we're going to start with verse 1. You with me? Say amen. amen. Luke chapter 10, pick up with verse 1. It says, after this, so before I say, well, after this, let me tell you what just happened. Because y'all probably didn't read Luke chapter 9 this week. Maybe you did. Y'all are real spiritual. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus sends out the 12. The 12 disciples to go out and do ministry. And it's just a reminder. I think sometimes we think the disciples' role and Jesus' plan didn't begin till after he left this earth. But if you look through the Gospels, Jesus was constantly challenging them to be more than spectators. But to be participators. So, you know, like, like you're, you're called to be not just a spectator who sits in a church, but a participator who actually is the church. Amen. I'll say that one more time. Like you're, called, you're not called to just be a spectator who sits in the church. You're called to be a participator who is the church. Like you're participating in what Jesus has called. And so in Luke chapter 9... Jesus calls the 12 and sends them out. And they do some cool ministry, and God uses them and and anoints what they're doing. And after this is where we pick up in Luke chapter 10. It says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others. So it wasn't just the ministry that Jesus had wasn't going to be just confined to this one group of people. Like what God wanted to do in and through his people wasn't going to be confined to just the 12. He's like, that's awesome. I need 72 more. He says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Verse 2, he told them, let's see if this verse sounds familiar. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Sound familiar? We've been reading that passage every single week of this series. And we've been reading it in Matthew and you know what? What we need to see, I believe that Jesus said this very phrase multiple times to his followers. Because if you look in the context of Matthew chapter 9, it says he's moving around from the towns and all the villages and he's doing all this ministry and he sees all these things. Remember we studied that in in week 1 and he had compassion on them and he saw the crowds and he he was hurt because what he saw was not good because these people needed God. They needed his hope. They needed his grace. They needed his mercy. They desperately needed what only Jesus had. And he turns to the disciples and he says, look, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers to the harvest field. And now this is a totally different context it says when he's about to send these 72 out i think i think jesus says this i think jesus says this sentence even more times than it's recorded in scripture because y'all do understand that like we have a very small window of what jesus life and ministry looked like i mean actually the gospel the, the, the john the, the disciple john the apostle john when he right finishes his gospel he said basically if we'd have wrote down everything jesus did there wouldn't be enough books in the world to fill it I think there's multiple times. Because in, in, anybody ever find that God is very redundant in your life? Like, I, I, I'm, not the, I'm not the smartest in the world. Sometimes God has to tell me things like 50 times before it sinks in. Anybody with me? Amen. Amen. Like, everywhere you look, God's trying to tell you the same thing. And you're like, okay, God, like, I see it. You said it through my spouse, and you said it through this TV show, and you said it through this coworker. And, like, God's like, yeah, I'm going to keep saying it until you start doing it. dummy. And I think there's multiple times Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But then look what he says next. Because like, it's almost like they could get in this mind, okay, well, we just we need to pray that God will send some workers. As if that might not be us. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Then verse 3, go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. So I think Jesus was trying to say, hey, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. By the way, those workers will be you. Ask the Lord to send workers into the harvest. field. And he says, go, I am sending you out. Like those workers that you're going to pray for, Jesus is like, I already know who they are. They're you. They're the man in the mirror. That's That's you. And the whole purpose of this series is to try to get you to realize the role that you play in working the harvest that we've been handed. That we have a harvest field church. Like all around us, the harvest is still plentiful, but the workers are still way too few. And I know you, you think that maybe because where we live and the place we live and, and, and the people that we're, we're surrounded by that maybe like we're, we're, too, we're too overly spiritualized or overly Christian and there's churches everywhere and there's all this kind of things happen. But I take you back to week one. Remember Jasmine showed you a video and she talked about in our county like, like less than 35% of people actually claim to be connected to Jesus. And I know that's shocking to you, and you don't want to believe it. And I think that the enemy wants you to not believe that because you won't live with a sense of urgency to work your harvest. And you know, I told you in week one that if you took a circle and put the center of that circle on, on right over Randallman, and you drew out a 15-mile radius, there are 290,000 people in that circle. I know we live in this little town of random and of only like 3,500 people. And we think, oh, this is just a small area. But if you expand that circle out and you think about the infrastructure that allows us to get to all these places and all these people, 290,000 people. And if we just say, all right, 60% of those people don't know Jesus. I'm not a math whiz, but I know that number. It's a lot. So there's work to be done. And you know, what, you know what Jesus is calling for? Missionaries. Missionaries. The, the moment I say that word, what comes to mind? You don't have to say it out loud, but just, there's something that comes to mind. When I say the word missionary, can I just say probably 90% of the people in the room have the wrong definition? Because you see somebody who gets on a plane. Missionary, missionaries aren't people who get on a plane. They're people who live with a purpose. And if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if Jesus is in your heart, if you've accepted him, if you believe in who he is, and your heart's desire to follow is to follow Jesus, guess what? You're a missionary. Do you know that? That may freak some of y'all out. I'm not saying you need to go sell everything you own and move to Africa. See that's the problem in our culture. Like we've bought into like when we're growing up, we had you know we had missionaries come into church and speak, and they were people that were from Zimbabwe or wherever, and all this. Or we think missionary. You think about the trips that we do. We're taking another team to Haiti in August of 2018, and those are great. But you don't wait to get on a plane to be on a mission. You don't wait to step on a plane to live on a purpose. That, yes, you, and I don't care, like, if, if you have just been saved for a month or if you've been saved since you were five years old and now you're 55 years old, you are a missionary. Come on, somebody. Like, I need you to start, Jesus wants you to start seeing yourself that way. And your mission field may not be a foreign country. It may be the fertile field of your own home or the fertile soil of your office. Or your school or your neighborhood. And we're just living in this place where we don't f- see ourselves as the missionaries that God has called us to be. Like that's who we're supposed to be. Are you with me, church? Say amen. Let me know if I'm making sense. Like you are a missionary. You are ordained by God to carry his message to the world. And I know you got a lot going on. And I know you probably feel unqualified. And I know that that whole concept may be really, really scary to you. But with all the love I have in me, get over it. Because Jesus is looking at us and saying, that harvest that I have planted y'all in is plentiful. The problem isn't the harvest. The problem is the lack of workers. So you ready to be a missionary? That was a real question. (laughs) Like, you ready to be, like, seriously. Because there are people all around us who desperately need Jesus. And I can't reach them all. Our staff can't reach them all. That if they're going to be reached, guess what? You're going to have to reach them. I have people come to me all the time. Oh, Pastor Matt. Oh, will you, come, will you come talk to my neighbor about Jesus? You know what I say? Have you talked to your neighbor about Jesus? Because you know what? They're probably more your neighbor than my neighbor at this point. Because, like, like seriously, like, they're your neighbor. And I know like that whole concept, that whole idea, that whole, that whole mentality is really, really difficult to swallow because of all the things that you feel and all the things that you're wrestling with. And you see all the crazy things that are in your closet that, that think you, that are going to hinder you from being the missionary that God's called you to be. And what I found is as as after Jesus says that this is where I got stuck what he says over the next several verses are some things I think we can learn to help us be the missionaries that God has called us to be to be the the, the 72 or the 122 or the 622 that are a part of this church to go out and be the missionaries that God has called us to do so let me can I give you some practical things to help you go live on mission Can I give you some things that Jesus gives to these 72 that I think if we unpack and dissect a little bit, we can learn a little something that will help us better work the harvest that we've been handed? All right, first thing is this. Listen to the details of his instruction. Like if you want to go live on purpose, if you want to be the missionary that God has called you to be, listen to the details of his instruction. Because as soon as he says go, he gives them some specific instructions that they need to listen to. Verse 4, he says, Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Seems weird, but we're going to trust Jesus, okay? Verse 5, he says, When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves the wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. So do you see Jesus after he says go? He gives them some pretty detailed specific instructions, right? I mean, he says some things. He says, first of all, like, don't take a bag. Don't take extra sandals. Don't pack anything. And as you're going down the road, like, don't, don't say anything to anyone. So they're just like, okay, we're going, Jesus. Like very specific instructions. He says, all right, when you, when you go into that house, eat whatever they give you. And now we read over that, and we don't think that's a big deal. But you got to understand that most of these guys came out of a Jewish tradition. And they never knew which home they would be welcome in. And there was a good chance that they were going to put some food in front of them that based on their tradition, they weren't supposed to eat. So we read that and we think, oh, those instructions seem pretty easy. Like, okay, don't take a bag or sandals or purse, all this kind of stuff. Don't don't speak to anyone on the road. But when you go there, like, enter that house, eat whatever they give you. But they would have to just overcome a lot of the traditional things they believed in order to relevantly reach the community that we're in. Y'all follow me? I mean, that would have been really hard for them to adapt. So, in other words, some of the things that you've always known, you're going to have to overcome and release in order to reach. And he says, don't go from house to house. In other words, like, stay in the same place. Build a relationship there with those people. Don't be quick to get away, to move on to the next spot. He says some very, very, see, but here's what we're bad about doing. We're bad about falling in love with one set of instructions. That we think, oh, because Jesus said it that way then, then that's the way that we need and are supposed to do it now. You, you follow me? But see, you need to listen to the details of the instruction because what I read as I look through Scripture, the, in, the details of the instruction may vary based on the mission. A matter of fact, if you flip over, just, just take this a note in, 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 your, in whatever you're taking notes on because I know you're all taking notes because you love to take notes and you want to absorb everything I say every Sunday morning. Luke chapter 22. Jesus has another conversation with the disciples. And he refers back to this conversation. And he says, you remember that time I sent you out and I told you not to take a bag or not to take a purse or not take any sandals in that thing? Hey, forget all that. This time, take a bag. Take your sandals. Matter of fact, well, another thing you're going to need to do is go sell your cloak and buy a sword. Because for this mission, you're going to need to be strapped. I'm dead serious. It's in the Bible. Jesus said it. He says, go. And when you go with you, take, take a bag. Last time I told you how to take a bag. This time, take a bag. And you know what? This time, because of where you're going, like, you're going to need a sword. If you ain't got a sword, sell your cloak and go buy a sword. And so Jesus, sometimes he'll change some of the details in the instructions. I know that makes some people un- uncomfortable. Like, the instructions on, on how we need to do church, they may be different in 2017 than they were in 1922. See, when you say that old, you've got to say 1922. You can't just say 1922. When you give old-timey dates, you got to say it the old-timey way. See, listen to the details of the instruction. Because if you don't, and you wonder, why are we not effective? Maybe because you're not doing it the way Jesus wants you to do it this time. You say, well, Jesus said he told this group of people to do it this way. Well, maybe that's not the details for your instruction. Maybe there's some different details this time around. Never let your tradition become an obstacle to your mission. Come on. Like the way that you're going to, the way you're going to reach certain people is going to be different than the way you're going to reach the previous group or the next group. I mean, that's true for a church. You know what? I love how we do church. I do. But you know what? No one in the Bible does it tell you how to do church. Nowhere in the Bible does it say this is the kind of music you're supposed to do, or this is the kind of building you're supposed to meet in, or or this is what time you're supposed to meet. You know, nowhere in the Bible does it say we're supposed to be here at nine o'clock on Sunday, or that we're even supposed to be here on Sunday. I know I'm freaking some people out right now. Like, oh, what's he saying? This preacher's crazy. (laughs) Like, how are we going to? And you know what? The way we do church now, if five years from now it doesn't work, we need to get down, listen to the Holy Spirit, and allow some new instructions to come into our lives to make sure that we're working the harvest that we have then. You know what? How you're going to reach certain people in your life will be different from person to person and case to case. And there's sometimes God's instructions will be, hey, go have a conversation. Or it might be, hey, go pay for their lunch. Hey, this, like how you're going to do it, the instructions that God is going to give you to reach the people that come across your path, it may vary from person to person and case to case. Are you open to that? Are you okay with that? And you know what? Sometimes it's going to make you do some stuff that maybe you're not comfortable with. I can't imagine the first time that some, and as these people were going about, Jesus says, hey, if that go to this house, if in whatever house, and if they welcome you in, go in. And so they didn't know what they were going to get. They didn't know if they were going to go in, it'd be a nice, good Jewish, and everything would be kosher. Or if they're going to walk in, and they'd have a big old plate of Lexington barbecue when they stepped inside. Glory. But whatever, what Jesus says, you know, whatever, whatever they put in front of you, eat it. Like, you got to listen to the details of the instruction if you want to be the missionary he's called you to be. Because it's going to, it's going to change sometimes. Now, it's never going to compromise God's word. He's never going to do you to tell ask you to do anything. And I know people have done some crazy things in the name of this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? We're never going to do anything that stands in, contra, in contrast to scripture. Never going to do anything that is sinful. You can't do it. You can't get God's will if it's not God's way. But listen to the details of the instructions, because from time to time, they were changed. Prepare for the possibility of rejection. Listen to the details of the instruction. Prepare for the possibility of rejection. Look what he says in verse 10. It says, but when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. And I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Verse 14. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the uh, the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me, but whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. Like he's trying to prepare them. Hey, guys, just so you know, as you go about trying to fulfill this mission, you're going to go into places and they're not going to be receptive. Like you're going to have conversations with people, you're going to go into towns, you're going to go into places, and you know what? They're just not going to hear it. And you just need to be prepared for that. But you notice, you notice what he doesn't say? He doesn't say avoid those places. He doesn't say, hey, those places that you think might not be ready to hear you, don't go those, just skip over those and move on about your way. He says, no, you go, you give it a shot. You try, you speak truth, you love on people, you say those things. But if they don't receive it, just understand that, like, it's not on you to make them receive it. Come on, church, you with me? It's not on you. Like, there's going to be some places and some people that you go and you give it your best shot, and they're going to reject you. And, like, you need to be prepared for that. You need to understand that. Church, there's going to be times that, you know what? You encounter people, and you try to speak hope and life, and you try to love on them, and their hearts are just so hard that they're just not going to be receptive. But you still need to be obedient. Don't let your yes to him... Be dependent on a possible no from them, because see, there's some people like, well, I know what they're gonna say. I know how big of a jerk that guy is. I ain't talking to him. Like, there's gonna be times you just you just gotta know. That there's gonna be people that you encounter, and no matter how loving, and truthful, and graceful you are, trying to speak hope and truth into their lives, they're not gonna be ready. And you gotta be ready. You gotta just be ready to, ha- to deal with that. Because if you're, and and, because I think Jesus is saying this because He knows, hey, you know what? There may be you may go to ten places, and seven of them may turn you away. And if you let that discourage you from what I'm calling you to do, and give up, we'll never get done what we need to get done. And you notice He names a couple towns. He kind of calls out some cities. He says, "Hey, Chorazin, you know, there's some cities that were, and these cities He's referencing had been exposed to God a lot." They had a lot of religious things happening in them. And what what happened in Jesus' day was the most religious areas that you think should have known the word, should have recognized who Jesus is. Because remember, like Jesus fulfilled hundreds of prophecies from the Old Testament. And so the people who knew the Old Testament should have known what to look for. You with me? Like they should have known, well, this dude was born in Bethlehem and this is where he was. Like, Like this is probably Jesus. This should be the Messiah. And what Jesus says, the places that should have known I am who I am, missed it. And the places that didn't get to grow up with that, didn't get to hear that tradition, they're the ones that are coming to know me. Is there something that we should learn there? I think that's a reminder. That, you know what? In some of the towns where you think are so churched and got so many Christians in them, they may be some of the hardest places we ever have to reach. I've always said the hardest thing about our community is we got people who are lost and don't know it. Right. He says you got to be prepared for that. you got to prepare yourself for that rejection so that you handle it well, so that you're discerning. And this is what you also need to know. There's some people that you're going to try to reach that just aren't ready. You know, it may take a long time. It may take years of you trying to love on them and pour into them, and have conversations with them, and have, build a relationship with them. Don't get discouraged. There's probably somebody in your life you've been working on for a decade or longer. And sometimes you get so frustrated, and you just you want to give up. And I think God's reminding you, like, they're just not ready yet. Keep trying. Keep loving. Keep speaking. Keep saying truth. Don't give up on them. Come on, somebody. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Prepare for rejection. Next thing I think God showed me in this passage is remember the reason for your celebration. Remember the reason for your celebration. Look what he says next. Verse 17. So they, they've gone out and now they come back. Verse 17. It says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. I love that. Jesus is like, they come back like, Jesus, it worked. He was like, duh. I sent you. Do you know what I'm capable of? And do you know this? Like the demons submit to you? Guess what? I saw, I've already seen Satan get thrown out of heaven. So in other words, Satan's already lost. Like, you think you are out there trying to win a battle that's already been won. See, like, you didn't go out searching for victory. You didn't go out for victory. You came out from victory that I've already won. So I'm not surprised. It's funny that y'all are surprised because I'm not surprised. Jesus said, I don't shock me. (laughs) Like, I know what I can do. And I know what I can do through you. Even if you don't know it. And he comes back and says, I've already seen all this. And then what he says, though, verse 20. He says, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He says, remember the reason for your celebration. Like, it's awesome that I'm doing great things through you. It's awesome that all this stuff is happening. But remember, like, don't, don't get your joy tethered to that. Get your joy tethered to who I am in you, what I've already done for you. Because if your joy is in the sacrifice of your Savior, not the success of your service. Your joy is in the sacrifice of your Savior, not the success of your service. See, I think he's trying to get them to realize, like, like you know, don't get your identity caught up in what I'm doing through you. Make sure your identity stays in what I've done for you. Because, like, if you get wrapped up in, oh, you're great and you're excited and you only celebrate because of the cool ministry you're doing, because of all the, the, the people that's happening. Like, if I get my joy tied into the, the size of this church, the number of people sitting in this room instead of the anointing and power and who I am in God, then it's a bad place. So if you get your not don't tether your joy to the success of your service. Keep your joy tethered to the sacrifice of your Savior. Because that's never wavering. Because you're going to have seasons as you go about being a ministry as a, as a missionary, where you going to be really effective? where God's going to use you to great, do great things and change people's lives. But you're going to have times when you're doing all of this, everything you can and it doesn't feel like you're accomplishing a single thing. And if your joy is connected to the success of that service and not to the sacrifice of your Savior, you'll just be drained. You with me, church? Make, am I making sense? Remember the reason for your celebration. I got two more points and then we're done. Next thing embrace the reality of your imperfection embrace the reality of your look what he says next now that they could have found this insulting but i think jesus was really trying to say something here verse 21 He says at that time jesus full of joy through the holy spirit said i praise you father lord of heaven and earth because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Now that's cute, but ain't no children in the story. So like he's saying, God, I praise you. (laughs) Can I give you Matt's version of this and y'all not judge me? I praise you for not giving it to these smart people and giving it to these dummies. Like, I praise you that you didn't give it to the educated, put together, wealthy, well put, well spoken, well versed. And you gave it to the broken, messed up, dirty people who I've changed and saved. I'm grateful that you have put it in their hearts to do something powerful. Like, I'm grateful you didn't go to the people who just think they're perfect and their stuff don't stink. <laughs> and you gave it to the people that nobody wanted, that everybody overlooked, that they didn't think ever would be used by God. I'm grateful that you saw fit to do that, Lord. So embrace the reality of your imperfection. Because Jesus specializes in using imperfect people. Jesus does the most extraordinary things through the most ordinary people. And you know what? This shouldn't be a surprise. Walk through all of Scripture. From Abraham and Moses and Paul and Peter and all these people that were as jacked up as all of us. And God did amazing things through embrace the reality of your imperfection. Because you know what? Scripture says, "Where you're weak, he's strong. That his power is made perfect in your weakness. Moses said, "Um, that's good. You want me to go talk to Pharaoh, but I can't talk too good. David said, "Uh, you do realize that I've done some really bad things. You still want me to be king? Peter said, God, you want me to preach the Pentecost message? after I've just denied you three times, are you sure about this? And so you think anything you've ever done will disqualify you from being used by God in great and powerful ways? Come on. Embrace the reality of your imperfection. Because I know you're scared. Me asking you to wear the label and the title of missionary, I know that scares you to death. It should. But when the power and the anointing of God falls on you, it overcomes all that imperfection. When you walk in obedience to who God wants you to be and what he wants you to do, obedience will always precede miracles. And he'll do great things for you and through you. Well, I don't, I don't know. They're going to ask me something I don't, I don't know. They're going to ask me something I can't explain. Welcome to my world. But I don't understand some things about God. You know what? If you understood all there was to understand about God, you would not need him. You know what? Jesus never looked for instructors of theology. He was asking for instruments of grace. You're not an expert on all there is to know about God, but you're the foremost authority on everything he's ever done for you. And you know what? Share your story of who God is and what he's done. One final thing. Recognize the privilege of your position. Recognize the privilege of your position that you get to be a missionary. Look what he says to him in verse 23. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see but did not see it and wanted to hear what you hear but did not hear it. He says, guys, realize how blessed and fortunate that you are to live in the time that you get to live. You get to experience what the prophets only hoped for. You know what? He's saying to them, here you are, this ragtag group of people from all these different walks of life and all these very common places. And you know what? Understand how privileged you are to be in the position of missionary that you are in, to be able to go out and take my gospel. Because you know what? Elijah would be so jealous of y'all. David would be so jealous that y'all get to see, Y'all have seen the Messiah come. Y'all have experienced his hope. Y'all have allow, been allowed to see the fulfillment of what God has been promising for all these years to come to fruition in your life. Understand how privileged you are to be there. So you can see this whole thing that we're talking about of this series is, all oh, it's heavy, and it's a burden, and i got to go reach people for Jesus. As if it's, like it's just some task that you have to do. And I think what Jesus is trying to get in and realize is, Man, understand how privileged you are to be in the position that you're in. That number one, that you're saved. That your sins are forgiven. That your hope is restored. Your relationship with God is in its just a place that that nobody's ever been able to see now that I've come and I'm doing what I'm about to do. And understand that you, you don't have to be an agent of mercy. You get to be one. You don't have to go out this week. And tell somebody about Jesus. You get to do that. Recognize the position you're in. You are a missionary, on mission, on purpose, for God to use for His grace and glory. And you know what? As I thought about this week, something really hit me that I want us to just focus in on as we finish up this morning. This week is Thanksgiving. And man, you have a lot of opportunities to live on mission this week. We're going to give you one. Tuesday night, come hang out with us. If you've never been on the Thanksgiving meal delivery, you get to step into the homes of families all throughout our county who are hurting, who are in need, who are broken, and you get to go shed a little bit of light into their darkness. Tuesday night, we're going to gather up and we're going to take these Thanksgiving meals that we've been collecting over the last several weeks. You're going to get to knock on a door. That door is going to be opened by somebody who matters to God. And who maybe has given up on God because they feel like the community they live in has given up on them. And you get to look them in the eye if nothing else. Say, here's a Thanksgiving meal. We love you. We hope you enjoy it. And we hope you know that God loves you. And with every bite of this food, you're reminded that Jesus loves you. And then they may invite you into their home and you may get to pray over them, lead them to cry. You, who knows what will open up? You know why? Because Jesus said he gathered these 72. He said, go, I'm sending you out. Tuesday night, we need to gather probably about 200 of us. And you get to go and you get to be sent out. So if you're not planning to do that, stop by the next steps thing in the lobby before you go out. Plan to do that. Make it, you will not regret it. Then one last thing I'm gonna give you to practically play this out. Thanksgiving Day is a day that you get to be around family, and maybe this Thanksgiving you get to sit around a table, with somebody in your family that you've been broken for for a really long time. The front lines of your mission field is your family. Come on, somebody. It's an aunt. It's an uncle. It's a brother. It's a sister. It's a cousin who you know is far from God. And I want to challenge you when you seize that opportunity. I'm not saying that you take your King James Bible and drop it on their head. What I'm saying is you engage them with a conversation. You speak some type of hope into their lives. Would you bow your heads close your eyes with me? Will you do me a favor and start seeing yourself as a missionary? Called by God, appointed by God, to work the harvest that you've been handed. And the time is now. And Jesus is saying, go. I'm sending you out. Will you allow the opportunities this week? Will you seize them? Will you go? We have the courage to go out on Tuesday night. And take hope to this community. We have the courage to go deep into a conversation sometime around Thanksgiving as you're interacting with a family member if you're here today and you say you know what man I've got I've got a family member that I'm going to encounter this week who I know is far from God and I want God to use me I want God to speak through me God I ask you to do something I want to pray for you you just stand up on your feet say i got a family member and be around this week I want to engage them with the gospel just go ahead and stand on your feet would you just pray that I would have the words and I'd have the strength to show their love, to speak truth into their lives, to speak hope into them, to say something, to be something, that I would be an instrument of his grace in their lives. If that's you, would you just stand on your feet? Because I want to catch, I want to look at every one of you. I want to pray over you. That this week, you take that challenge to go, to go, to go, to go, to go. The harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the harvest field. This week, you get that opportunity in real, powerful, tangible ways. Seize them. Take advantage of them. And let's flood the earth with the power and love and message of Jesus well, those of you who are seating, seated, will you stand with those who are already standing? And let me pray for you. Pray for us as we prepare to worship this morning. Father, thank you that you're going to use us in a great way, that you're going to use us to change the world, that you're going to use our imperfect, broken lives to speak hope and truth and power into the world that we come in contact with, Lord. And we thank you for your word and what, what it's... Taught us this day to empower us and equip us to be the missionaries into our world, no matter when, no matter how, in ways that are tangible and real. And God, help us, help this be a week where we make a difference, God. Where we take advantage of these opportunities and we speak life and hope and strength and power into your world. God, use us in a mighty way and we'll give you the honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.